0: Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hello, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, and welcome to Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. In this monthly show, I've had the delight of talking about everything from age play to power exchange, romance to sacred sexuality, had guest discussions, as well as shared my own rambling path. And I am so delighted to be back and talking today about something that's been exciting, challenging, delightful, horrible, all rolled into one. We'll just call it all rolled into one. And that is the notion of identity as compared to behavior, as well as how sex and romance ties into all of that stuff. About a week and a half, two weeks ago, I sat down with my partner, and we were talking about secondary partners, lovers, friends who are a little bit extra in our world, fuck buddies... All of that kind of stuff, and for me, I was talking about a little bit of my sorrow. A little bit of my sadness, a little bit of my regret that I don't have a lot of cisgendered men. uh, Men who were born men and still identify as men. I don't have a lot who are lovers, play partners, or currently have any that are partners and that's really interesting for me because I identify somewhere in the queer-slash-gay spectrum that's part of my experience. And he looked at me and, in other words, basically said, so, um, then why do you keep dating women? And I paused. And, I really had to chew on that question. I have amazing women in my world. Women who are intense and beautiful and funny and smart and hilarious. Some who have been in my world for a really long time. Some who are brilliant, shining new stars in my world. And... Yet, the reality for me is that my sexual turn-ons, the things that get me wet, that get me hard, that get me jacked into my own sexual desire, predominantly involve me wanting to play with men. When I am alone at home and no one is watching but me, my fantasies tend, not always, but tender trend towards fantasies involving men. So I ask you listening that when you are home alone or you're enjoying yourself in bed or the shower, what is what is the thing that you're jerking off to? What is your fantasy? What is that one thing that pushes you over the edge? What's that thing? As I thought about my things and the thing that Aiden had said, I realized that my identity and my behavior don't match. They don't. The things that I match myself up to in my head and the things that I do when interacting with other people are different. I am not the only one. There's this amazing culture that I've been interacting more with, or at least becoming more aware of, in New York called being on the down low, or being on the DL. Now, men who are on the DL are men who oftentimes are in romantic, sexual, or emotional relationships with women. They date women, they marry women. These are guys who sometimes are husbands, who are sometimes, oftentimes fathers. Well, not oftentimes, but often enough. These are men who are exploring on the down low, though, their sexual attraction and desire with other men. But if you call them gay or call them homosexual, no, 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 no. That's not part of their reality. They're dudes who occasionally do stuff with other dudes, but it's not this thing, you know? Or if it is a thing, we don't talk about it. It just kind of is what it is. I actually had a guy recently, when I was at the laundromat, of all places, look over at me and say, So, uh, you you fold real nice laundry. And I'm like, uh thanks. He's like, no, and then winked, you fold real nice laundry. And it's in those moments where it's not some guy looking for some guy to have a relationship with. It's about that momentary hookup. There are some guys who are on the DL who have that reoccurring play partner. In fact, there's whole cultures involving such things. But it was really interesting looking at signs recently, uh, looking at these signs in subway stations in certain parts of Brooklyn where it's AIDS awareness and STD awareness, where it's... Black guys who are looking at the sign, looking like at every other you know looking like every other dude, saying, "Hey, I know my status, do you and that was really interesting to me because in this push for education for men who have sex with men m s m For men who have sex with men, there's an entire push for, or has been historically, for gay men to educate gay men, and for, you know, to reach out with rainbow pride, and this and that. But gay is not just about being homosexual. Homo, same, sexual, to be involved in sexual attraction or behavior. So, therefore, attraction to the same sex or sexual behavior to the same sex, depending on which definition you look at. Gay is not just these things. Gay is a culture. Gay is a type of movie interest. Gay has become a pride parade. Gay has become a ghetto. Gay has become symbolic interactions with one another. Gay has become archetypes. And this is not the case for everyone who is a man who has sex with men. There's also an entire culture known as androphiles or androphiliacs, where it is men who are attracted to male bodies, where it is like, there, there's gynophiles, people who are attracted to women's body. Androphiles, people who are attracted to men's body or men's experience. And there's a lot of people who are androphiles who, for whom the idea of somebody being the penetrative partner is holds no interest whatsoever because then somebody quote isn't being the man anymore. All of these definitions are really tricky though because let's say my identity is heterosexual. That I believe in my heart of hearts and when I talk to other individuals I say I am interested in relationship with people of the opposite quote gender, which infers that there's opposite genders, but that's a whole different can of worms when we talk about trans issues, gender, queerness, what is gender, all of that stuff. But let's pretend for a moment that there's homosexuality and heterosexuality. I know people that actively identify as heterosexual who, once in a blue moon, will fuck somebody of the same gender or once in a blue moon might fall for somebody of the same gender. I know people who are lesbian-identified, who, you know, every ten years or so, go and get some cock. Cause, you know, try it out, see how it goes, go, eh, that was fun, and then go back to their lesbian relationships. There's also people I know that identify as bisexual, who in the term of my former husband actually moved to the words bisexual because he loved making out with men he loved touching men caressing men and well, those were sometimes but he really enjoyed being in the space with other men when he was involved with mfm male female male triads and and male female male uh you know sexual encounters and so sharing male to male space in those spaces made a lot of sense But it wasn't the case that he actually wanted to have a long-term relationship, walking down the street, holding hands with another man. That wasn't part of his reality. So the question then for me becomes, if our identity is one thing and our behavior is another, how do we discern whether we're being authentic? And I've been asking myself that exact same question. When I am falling in love with, or courting, or creating deep connection, or having incredibly hot play with these really powerful, amazing women, what does that mean to my authentic self? What does that look like for me to be pursuing this path that I refer to as queer or as being interested in playing with men or the fact that that last little thing that gets me over the edge involves cisgendered men? Does that mean that there's some part of me that is actually transphobic if I'm not in those pictures in the back of my head involving trans men in that moment? Which isn't completely true. There's one or two trans guys who occasionally show up. Eh, Yeah, I'd say two specific ones that come to mind. Anyway, in that last little moment. But if it's about the cock, then what's up with that? Where does that sit with my authenticity? Am I falling for women because they're safer? Because they're easier is that some piece of what's going on for me in which case am I being transparent to the women in my world but what if instead it's about romance I love romance romance is powerful and palpable for me I love sitting at the opposite side of a table from someone and staring deeply into their eyes and breathing together. I love holding hands. I love joking and laughing until 2 or 3 a.m., being present with someone else. I love receiving flowers. I love love. Let me say that again. I love, love, but I don't know how to romance men. As somebody who spent the first 25 years of my life socialized female, I don't know how to court men as a man. As a woman, I knew. All of the pat little techniques that I knew would work for me. And they didn't always work, but I knew where to start. I could wear the skimpy little dress or the tight, clinging black corset cinched down tight. Whether I was bald or with long, flowing tresses, I could lean over just a little bit flashing my cleavage look up at someone and bat those eyes frame those little baby blues of mine i could whisper into someone's ears perfect filthy little words sit on their lap and rub just a little too much and it worked really well for me i was a big girl there's no jo- you know no going around that thing Right? We're not talking BBW, but I was a size 18, right? Some were fluctuating between a size 14 and an 18. And I'm 5 foot 11. I was not a small creature. Now that has nothing to do with sexual attractiveness. I have found myself profoundly attracted to women who are size 28 and delighted to be in the company of women who are size 0. I'm not talking about body size, but I'm talking also about attitude. I was a beautiful, larger, strong, powerful woman. My label's not projecting on you. Right? That's not a comment about whatever your journey is with your size. I'm sharing my personal experience. And in my personal experience, even though I didn't always like the body I had, even though I had occasional body dysphoria issues, I knew how to use that body. I knew how to use that body. As a woman flirting with men, I had tips and tricks and a place to start. I don't know where to start with men now. There's that issue of, oh, well, how's that going to work if you're trans? I've had people question my gender identity and my gender reality because I'm a trans guy who wants to play with men, and why would you transition, they ask, if it's just going to limit the number of people you could actually play with? And that's tough. I used to be able to go to swingers clubs or go to sex spaces and flirt and laugh and open up my thighs and say yes at bathhouses and as a note also say no just saying at bathhouses now it's a different encounter when I have the bravery to go to them as a trans man there are some that are very inviting I think of Eros in San Francisco where as long as you're male presenting and you have male ID, it's all good. But there are some spaces that are more inviting and some that aren't. And I have to have the courage to go into them. And I find the line to be really interesting as far as what's going to happen when people interact with me. Some guys are like, uh, when they, you know, they look at my, my face and go, oh, yeah, okay look at my chest and go, okay, scars, interesting, cruise on down my body and then get to the place between my knees and my waist and go, er, oh, and don't quite know how to parse the experience. There are some men who go, uh, oh, and walk the opposite direction. And there are some men who are curious and want to either have a conversation or come on over and put their hand on my hip and there's a little bit of cue to make a decision for myself to make a responsible decision for myself, and play safe. It's interesting for me, though, because bathhouse play is still different than romancing. But as a woman, I knew the script. I knew where to start. I know rationally that men date other men. And there's long-term relationships and where romance takes place. And I don't know where to start. I just don't. I just don't. But as a man, I have a script on how to seduce women. And I admit, it starts with how I want to be seduced. We project as human beings all the time. But I love love, and there are amazing women in my life, and part of that involves the fact that I enjoy romance, and I know where to start with them. It's not the finish, it's not the end, it's not a single script for every woman. That is not part of reality in any way, shape, or form, but I have a place to start. I know where to begin the conversation, I know the first few steps that might be the beginning of a dance. And I don't know where to start with men. And I wonder sometimes if that makes my identity any less valid. If I use the word queer, if I use the word queer there is a bit more permission there for exploration than the word gay. And I love the word queer. It's fantastic. There is queer as identity, queer as culture. When Melina and I were working on Playing Well With Others, which is our field guide to discovering, exploring, and navigating the kink, leather, and BDSM communities, queer was such a fascinating word to discuss. Because a lot of people don't agree on what this word means. And so we came up with two different definitions. The first one is an umbrella term for individuals operating outside of or beyond social and societal constructs of behavior, gender, identity, or sexuality. The second one is a sexual orientation categorized by an interest or attraction to individuals unfettered by gender identities or labels. Queer keeps shifting. The meaning of queer, the look of queer. When we talk about gay as a culture, it's been really interesting, especially in the BDSM community, watching queer develop its own culture. Queer that presents with necks, with handkerchiefs tied around necks, with combat boots, with asymmetrical or asexual haircuts. Queer that seems to be more open and inviting to people who are androgynous, people who are trans-masculine, people who are, to be honest, historically female-bodied, or female at birth, or assigned female at birth. The number of men I know who are queer-identified is lower Or more accurately, the number of cisgendered men. Because I know a lot of men who identify as queer, but the number of cisgendered men is a different thing. I find it fascinating that a number of spaces that say, oh, we're queer safe spaces that have problems with cisgendered men coming in, like I said, it fascinates me. Because queer is becoming a culture, I've talked with people who I consider incredibly queer, who identify as queer, who I adore and cherish as queer individuals, who have said to me, I don't think I'm queer enough. Because they don't map to the perspective of what queer culture projects. What it projects. And it's not just cis men. It's also women who are femme-identified or femme-presenting. High femmes with their fabulous lipstick and seamed stockings who embrace the power of women who choose to embrace femininity constructs and female constructs as they exist in our culture. That's incredibly powerful, not to stumble into what it looks like to be a woman, not to go, oh, well, this is what my mom did, and so I guess I'll do it too, or this is what Cosmo magazine tells me to do. These are women who pursue female-femme identity as an action of self-discovery, self-claiming, and in some cases, political action. Because there is a difference between stumbling into your womanhood and actively fighting for it and transforming what it means in that full, powerful sense. But queer becomes tricky. Queer is a label that I use. I identify as a queer man who was raised and socialized for the first 25 years as a woman, and has a history as a woman. Occasionally I say I'm a trans guy. Occasionally I say I'm a trans man. Occasionally I just say, Hey, I'm Lee. Because that's a really fantastic and fabulous gender identity. Sexual identity and truth identity. I'm Lee. Other days I use different names. But at the end of the day, I'm me. So M... I being authentic when I say I'm queer? Am I being authentic when I say I'm predominantly sexually attracted to men when my behavior says something else? The same thing applies with behavioral models within relationship. For a while, my partner and I were only seeing each other, which, for people who know that I'm married to myself, is actually a little bit more complex than that truth. But as far as seeing people outside of our own skin suits, my partner and I were seeing each other. It was a complex reality for both of us. I was going through health stuff, he was going through school and work stuff, and it worked really well for us in that time. But our identity is polyamorous. Love of many that we love many and in our case polyamory is not just about falling in love with different people or having an open space for our hearts to have a chance to be able to connect with people in that way and one day when we were talking we realized that our behavior had become monogamous and we wondered and talked with one another about whether we were okay with that that our identity as polyamorous individuals wasn't necessarily what our behavior was in that moment. And I don't know if that's fully fair to even say, looking back on it, because we still had other people that were dear to us. Even if we weren't dating them, even if we weren't having sex with them, they were still precious to us. And if we open up our definition of love to be this broader spectrum of truth, Because at the end of the day, in English, there are not enough words for love, for adoration, for connection, for truth, for beauty, for seeing into someone's heart the difference between love that is the love between a parent and a child, and the love between a lover and yourself who just met twenty minutes ago, and you are falling in love, falling further and further. Or you are holding their hand in love and skipping down the street, neither of you tumbling to your demise, but instead saying yes and shouting it from the rooftops and supporting each other as you walk, run, skip into and through love. And so, as we were having this conversation, we realized again that these things don't always match up, and in our case, It's okay. So as I look at my own sexual and emotional behavior right now, as compared to my sexual and emotional stated desires, is there a disconnect? Yeah. But is following my behavior, attraction, and connection with amazing and powerful women inauthentic? now No. I'm checking my brain right now to make sure that that's true and it's true it's not inauthentic and yet that doesn't always solve the problem the challenge of those needs wants and desires They are not always the thing that I am craving. Does it mean that I'm not craving them? No. No. That's not what it means at all. But there is those days where I want to be romanced by a man. Where I want to romance a man in turn. Where I want hot, sweaty sex, with bodies pushed down and standing over them. Where I am licking their boot and they are shoving me down into their crotch. Those moments where facial hair scratches up against facial hair, and calloused hands run their way down my back. These are truths of my desire. So how do I make it happen? How do I make it happen? It's been argued for me, by folks who are devotees of the secret, who believe in the law of attraction, that you have to have open space in your life for possibilities to come in. We have to have open space in our lives for possibilities to find their way in. If we are go, 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 do, do, do all the time, and do not spend the time to be, where is that space? Where is that space for someone to, let's say we want to have someone move into our home. We want to meet somebody who will become part of our lives, and every single closet is full. Every single space is full. Every inch of our home is laden down with our knick-knacks. Where's the space for them? This is the powerful moment that happens when we get to a point in relationship sometimes, where a lover is spending enough time over at our house, that we say, I'd like to clear out a drawer for you. That is a statement of intent that says, I have made space for you, not just in my home, but in my life. There is a space for you. There is a space for you. And that's powerful and a beautiful statement. So when I think of this, in the case of wanting to have men in my life, Am I leaving space for them? And what would that space look like? There are some of us who have sexual desires that following it once in a lifetime That one deep, dark fantasy or perfect truth that we don't want anyone else to see, that we keep sealed up in a box, that we hold on to and cherish. Fantasizing about that thing, or doing it once and jerking off to it for the rest of our lives, it's good. It's not just that it's, quote, enough, which is something that I hear in sexuality populations. It's not just that it's enough, but it's perfect in what it is. Let me come to one BDSM event. Let me get tied up once. Let me play with someone of the same gender or of the opposite gender once. Let's go here and embrace it this once. But there's other folks out there that know, really, to follow their authentic path a sexual expression, it has to be all the time, that they will not bend, and they will not move, and they need whatever it is. If there is a part of your life that has led you to a point where, no, really, you need this... It doesn't make you greedy. It makes you a person who is listening to their needs, wants, and desires. And sometimes, I gotta say, even if it is greedy, greed can be good. Hedonistically, following your truth, your bliss, Following your path to your own erotic expression, embracing that erotic alchemy, that connection, that truth, that hotness that fuels you, bring on the greed. If greed helps you show up more to be present with your lovers, consider greed as a path. Consider greed as a path sometimes it works. So if you're weighing out for yourself whether you're being authentic in your sexual attraction, your sexual desires, and your sexual behaviors as a whole, consider for yourself whether you're looking at your needs, wants, and desires when you are laying in bed with someone, or push against the washing machine, or rolling around in the sand and trying not to get, you know, sand into orifices, which is just horribly, horribly unpleasant. If you're in that moment, and you're unhappy, maybe that's a touchstone to consider for that information. If you're directly after an encounter, and you find yourself unhappy, unsatisfied, or disconnected. This might be another touchstone to connect in with yourself and to see if you're being authentic. If it's three months later and you look back on it and go, you know what, hot in the moment, but maybe not good for me. This might be another chance to look at your authenticity. This applies to all parts of our life. All of them. Our work, our family, our, you know, our whole world. Right now, I have a note on my computer desk that says, Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And sometimes the answer is, is that we're following choices that allow us something else in the long term. I know some folks that have differently, profoundly different sexual fantasies. But for them, instead of saying, we're a bad couple because our things that we're into aren't a perfect match, instead of saying that, they've made a decision to say, you know what, I love you, you love me, How about tonight, we do a really intense takedown scene where you grab my hair and use me and fuck me and fill me and tell me how much of a little whore I am. And then, in a couple days, how about I tie you up in bamboo rope, seduce you, kiss my lips down your body grab that vanilla dental dam and run my tongue up and down. Doesn't make you incompatible partners. But it is something worth considering. Why are you doing this? And are you unhappy? Or worse yet, are you Being taken advantage of? Taking advantage of someone else? Or being downright abusive to yourself or someone else? Pause and think about it. Pause and think about it. I'm not saying there's one right way. But if these things come up, there's a good chance that something isn't right. And I'm not going to say that absolutely everybody's path works because I don't believe it's true. Abuse, physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual, don't care. Abuse is different than compromising for the success of all parties, including yourself and including your partner. These are different conversations. They're different conversations. And if you are doing something out of guilt, look at that. Look at that. In my case, I've decided I'm not being inauthentic. And yet I am also acutely aware that I need to keep my eyes open, my heart open, Eh, and maybe my legs open. We'll see. To somebody who would fit that role. Who is a cisgendered, most likely, but could be any male, sexual top. Who is a service-oriented human being. Who is financially self-sufficient. Who enjoys romance and who loves love. Who is spiritual and yet can laugh at dumb jokes, talk until 2 AM, play board games, and yet has their own hobbies that I don't know anything about. Because I like having some things that each of us do on our own. What's on your wish list? What are you looking for right now? Because the person we're looking for might not be a perfect match to every single point, though sometimes they are in unexpected ways. But having some idea of what we're looking for might, for some of us, help us figure out when we found them. Thank you so much. Fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit for joining me. This has been Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. You can find me all over the internet by typing in Lee Harrington or by looking up passionandsoul.com or Passion and Soul really anywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Fetlife, you can find me. I'm easy to stalk. And until next time. Stay cool, have fun, be authentically yourself and have a fantastic journey.